Genre. Hello, everyone, and welcome to The Protagonist Podcast, where each week we look at a great character in a great story. I'm Joe Dorowski, and this week we're discussing Troy Barnes and Abed Nadir from Community. And joining me for the discussion is returning guest Ben Phillips. Welcome, Ben. Hello. Good to be back. And producer Andrew's going to be jumping in some. So welcome, Andrew. Hello. We did an episode on Community, and I thought, oh, it's, it was just a little while ago. And then I went and checked. It was 300 episodes ago. <laughs> That we talked about community. Uh, it was like around episode 70. This is going to be episode 379 when it drops of the protagonist <laughs> podcast. And I don't know what has happened to my life or time or my, <laughs> my sense of what, what we've done and talked about on this podcast. That Six I thought, seasons in a movie, Joe. <laughs> it wasn't that long ago. 300 episodes ago. Uh, but we, we in that one, we talked more about Jeff Winger. This time, we're going to be talking about Troy and Abed, one of the most delightful comedic pairings uh, that's come out of television in recent memory. Uh, ben, I had reached out to you to come and talk about Ted Lasso. And then I said, is, it, whenever we can double up with a guest, we love to double up. Is there something else you want to talk about? And I think I had said a few possibilities. And... I think you came back with a real hard and fast Troy and Abed. <laughs> I want to talk about Troy and Abed. <laughs> yeah. Uh, community is, it is one of my top five favorite shows of all time. It is just when it's good, it's amazing. Yeah. I uh, showed an episode in a college class just last week, trying to explain what postmodernism actually is. <laughs> I also would use episodes of community to show postmodernism, but that was like 10 years ago. Yeah, this really does break it down uh, and, and it becomes very uh, evident just, you know, with a little bit of scaffolding. Uh, here's what you want to look for. You watch an episode of Community and you're like, oh, I see it all. It's all there. <laughs> um, Andrew, do you remember when you first watched Community? Yeah, I saw the premiere episode as it aired, I think, or oh, at least day, part of it. Um, day one. Yeah. And... um. I, I didn't watch most of it after that just because I was not a very consistent evening TV watcher, appointment TV watcher. I was really built for um, for streaming services. Streaming era. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's, 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 it's what my body was designed for. <laughs> um, but I do remember watching it. I can't remember why I was particularly interested in watching it, but it, but I caught it right at the beginning. I was like, okay, I'll, I'll actually watch it. And I, I do remember because I was at the time attending community college uh, or, mm. or a university that had been the local community college, but became a university. Um, and I, I felt really attached to Dean Pelton's initial <laughs> speech. <laughs> like you might've heard these things about community college <laughs> and that's what you've heard. And I wish you well, <laughs> Um, and then he, he has lost a card, but so that opener, I was like, yeah, I feel that I do feel that I do see that in my environment. <laughs> now, Ben, you helped introduce me to community, um, in 
grad school something that i know has been mentioned multiple times on this podcast we had uh lost viewing parties but then we started just adding other shows because we didn't want the evening to end (laughs) and uh community was one that got in the rotation i believe as corner gas petered out we we ran out of corner gas yeah we we inserted community or maybe it was the reverse order it could have been there i can't remember but uh, I had not seen any. And at that point, there was at least one or two seasons, I think, mm-hmm. were out there because we were able to binge some pretty quickly. And I just remember utter delight at everything. But also, there is just such absurd transformation from what begins as kind of a uh, we're going to do the, the group of outsiders a and, you know, show. in a yeah, in a community <laughs> college setting, classic sitcom on NBC to within the first season, some wild stuff starts to get thrown against the wall. And by season two, it's like every episode is an absurdist postmodern masterpiece. Yes. <laughs> that is just uh, nothing but referentiality and uh, meta commentary about society and where we're at. But you, it, there's no consistency as to what that tone or presentation is going to be from one episode to the next. Right. And and somehow, more often than not, just hitting a home run. Oh, yeah. <laughs> the, the first three seasons especially were just fantastic. I, I just like Andrew, I remember seeing advertisements for it. And I remember I was at Bowling Green um, doing my master's in popular culture. And they had it online, the pilot, before it aired. So I watched that. And this will make sense now. But at the time, it did not. I watched it for John Oliver, <laughs> who was not a big star then. Uh, he, I knew him he, from the podcast was, uh, The Bugle. He was yeah, on some you knew things. Him as a podcaster, right? <laughs> I knew him as a podcaster, and I'm like, this guy's hilarious. I want to watch this show. I, th- I think he was on Comedy Central. He was, he on, was. on Colbert or Daily Show. He was on The Daily oh. Show. He had just started because um, I think I think his podcast started in like 07 or 08. Um so yeah, he. But I came to it because it's like John Oliver is hilarious, and he's he's not part of the main cast. He's not in it all the time either. It's like that's how I came to it. He disappears for seasons at a time, but then also will randomly pop back in. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, uh, I I love that John Oliver was <laughs> was what enticed you to watch yes. Community. <laughs> Just well, and, capturing that moment. And, and Joseph, you talked about like the tone of the show and the episodes shifting within the first season, but then you yeah. also have such a shift in the characters. <laughs> like, like it's, and it's not like they rap. It's not like they're rapidly decaying into caricatures <laughs> or something, but like there's some sort of rapid change. And I don't think I could call it an evolution either. No, but to me, it feels like like with Troy Bards, who in our first episode <laughs> is like the jock, right? That's mm-hmm. the role. I, I feel like we're actually peeling away the onions to discover who he really is. Like we were. Yes. It, it's not like an evolution to this other version that's really a nerdy character. Uh, I, 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 I'm willing to accept the premise that the nerd was always there. He just didn't even know it was in within him. Yeah. Uh, and he discovers it through his <clears throat> friendship with Abed. But I don't know if every other character is is like an onion peeling away. Uh, Britta seems to devolve. Yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, I guess you could make the argument that it was always a lot of bravado to mask insecurity. Though at the same time with Britta, she is often the one that's right. She is. She just no one wants <laughs> just, to believe no it or see it. Her enough. Yes, <laughs> she doesn't believe it herself, and no one else sees it because it's Britta. But if you listen to like what the the premise of the episode is is like oh she's the one that actually 
uh, yeah, she she knows what's going on and she's saying the right thing, but the, she has so little self-respect for herself <laughs> that she can't convince anyone else to respect her opinion either. And well, like, cause early on it's like, Oh, this is our world traveler. You know, this is a person right. who's actually been out there and had experiences. They've and, had like, battles and, and, and lived in, <laughs> she's lived in New York guys. And, <laughs> and then somehow, yeah, it, it, it does devolve into, hey, I lived in New York. Okay. And now it's like, okay, did she really live in New York? Does she like to say that she lived in New York? You know, like, does she have real experience or. Right. Or is, is she simulating experience because she didn't have enough experience? And it's like, I don't know what, what that character change is, what that transition is. And I'm like, Annie, I don't. Annie becomes simultaneously like more capable, but she also like loses all of the psychological progress that she's made before the show. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) All right. Well, uh, maybe let's introduce everything (laughs) because there's so much to dig into in what you're saying, Andrew, that I I do want to circle back to these ideas here. So we're going to be discussing the episodes epidemiology, which is the sixth episode of season two. And it was written by Carrie Dornetto and directed by Anthony Hemingway. And it tells the story of a zombie outbreak during a Halloween party at Greendale community college. I was specifically thinking of this zombie episode when you talked about the, the various postmodern that's what i used it for i used this episode when i thought (laughs) yeah uh, it's it's definitely doing it see i use uh from season five the app development episode okay (laughs) because so much of that meaning is like do you understand these references if not it's just weird Uh, i think i think i also i also used the clip show uh, episode where they use clips that were not from any shows <laughs> from, they've from, ever had from not episodes. Where, where they went and filmed new vignettes yes <laughs> and just think about like how much cost there was oh, in yeah. building some of the sets they put themselves in for a a 30 second <clears> gag <throat> uh, of saying remember this adventure when we stayed overnight at the haunted mansion <laughs> Uh, anyway, sorry. Uh, so the zombie outbreak episode, we're also going to be discussing geothermal escapism, the fifth episode of season five, which tells the story of a campus-wide game of The Floor's Lava. And that one was written by Tim Sicardo and directed by Joe Russo. Yes, that Joe Russo of the <laughs> biggest money-making film in history. Uh, <laughs> director of Avengers Endgame. Well, and and let's see, Captain America Winter Soldier, Avengers Infinity War, and Avengers Endgame. Are those the ones he did? Or uh, also uh, Captain America Civil War, Yeah, right? Civil War, Winter yeah. Soldier... Infinity War and Endgame. So one of the earningest directors in history. Yes. Yeah, and mm-hmm. and many season one episodes of Community as well. <laughs> yeah. Uh, with his brother, Anthony. Uh, Joe and Anthony Russo would often uh, co-direct uh, Community episodes and they co-directed those Marvel films. Uh, Community starred Danny Pudi as Abed Nadir, Donald Glover as Troy Barnes, jo- Joel McHale as Jeff Winger, Gillian or Gillian Jacobs, I can never remember, Gillian. as Britta Perry. It's Gillian? Yep. Okay. Yvette Nicole Brown as Shirley Bennett, Chevy Chase as Pierce Hawthorne, sometimes, uh, <laughs> meaning meaning he, he, he disappears at a certain point. It, it's sometimes uh, starring and, him, not sometimes that is his character. <laughs> yes, exactly. Sometimes and he Jim plays Rash. Jeff Langer. <laughs> yes. Uh, I'm trying to think, does that happen in May, actually? <laughs> it might. <laughs> Jim Rash as Dean Pelton. And I always love to point out the Jim Rash who plays this <laughs> incredible figure in Dean Pelton uh like a, a Gumby-esque physique of uh, uh in his physical portrayal and the and the and he just reaches such high whiny toes he's an Academy Award-winning writer yes Jim Rash uh the, the talent on this show is pretty incredible the Dean is also my favorite character he's <laughs> amazing so it it is fantastic when they make him a, a regular 
Yes. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I love the Dean. I think Troy having a meltdown might be my favorite thing that ever happens in the show, though. <laughs> Whenever Donald Glover is screaming and crying, it is comedic gold. Uh, did, but you anyway, mention, we, did you mention Ben Chang? Oh, I didn't mention. Uh, yeah. It, uh, who's the actor? Ken Jong. Jong. Ken Jong, who is a medical doctor. Uh, again, just <laughs> strange accumulation of talent <laughs> on this series. Uh, and when you see Ken Jong playing Chang, you, you try to imagine that man as a medical doctor and, you, and your brain may break. <laughs> so some trivia about Community, which this is one of those shows that has such a devoted fandom that they uh, obsessively will report every everything that gets gets revealed. But also, they released on their DVDs cast and crew commentaries for every single episode with different cast and crew talking about every minute of every episode <laughs> that they made. So there's so much information out there. And then you throw on that this show has some wild behind-the-scenes stories uh, <laughs> of, of uh, Chevy Chase uh, getting fired from the show, Dan Harmon, the showrunner and creator, getting fired from the show, uh, and then coming back as a conquering hero. The, the, uh, I the cannot show go being into... sustained improbably by the network and then trying to be canceled by the network <laughs> yes uh yeah, switching to other networks <laughs> I, I mean there's a season on, the on yahoo video yes yes oh i have a joke about that in the trivia it was yahoo screen andrew not yahoo video yeah and then I was gonna say, do you remember <laughs> yahoo, yahoo screen? screen and call you a liar if you said yes that you remember I, yahoo I watched screen. i watched half of that season on yahoo screen i watched the whole thing <laughs> yeah so uh, let's just jump into the trivia, which is uh, this is a very condensed version of the amount of trivia you can go find about the show. It aired 110 episodes across six seasons. Its first five seasons were on NBC, and then its last season was on Yahoo screen solely because there was a running gag throughout the show of people yelling out six seasons in a movie. <laughs> and it was canceled after five seasons. And <laughs> Yahoo screen de- desperately trying to let anyone know that they had a streaming service and knowing that community had... <laughs> A dedicated fandom picked it up for a sixth season, uh, an abbreviated uh, many cast members missing sixth season uh, that um, you I think you can now find it on Netflix uh, at this point. Uh, Yeah, it's it's part of the package for wherever it's streaming. Yeah, for a while, you could only go find it if you made a Yahoo screen account. And this is one of the like I was looking at the ratings. I, th- I think it started with like seven million with its premiere, and it never really like peaked much beyond that. But by season five, <laughs> it was like less than a million per episode, and it's like okay, NBC, I understand why you're canceling this. They they just and- named us individually in the later seasons. <laughs> Um, but, uh, the, uh, yeah, it's fifth season. Uh, yeah, some of its, its ratings, uh, I I guess it was averaging uh, somewhere around 2 million. (laughs) It looks like as a, as a look at these, but some episodes I think were less than a million I saw. Uh, but also this was a period where networks were really struggling to figure out, uh, DVR, uh, viewing numbers, uh, online viewing numbers. Like how, how does all this count towards it? So it was just the traditional Nielsen reported ratings, uh, and, and everything was plumbing at the time because of time shifted viewing and other, uh, and other issues. Uh, but it turns out community d- did have like a, a dedicated fandom, which is, uh, oftentimes more important if you're trying to get people to follow, follow show along, but it was not enough to save Yahoo screen, uh, which I believe is a departed streaming service at this point. <laughs> the entire Yahoo company, I believe is a departed brand. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> also, also um, they were trying with, with Yahoo screen. That was like before everyone was trying uh-huh. streaming services. I mean, it was like a good while before 
there was any rumblings of Disney doing a streaming service or or Apple mm-hmm. or really anyone except Netflix. It was like Netflix or Hulu. Those are the yeah. things you watch. And then Yahoo screens trying to do this thing with community. Yeah, this, this was before all the networks realized that they had created their own worst em- enemy by just licensing all their products to Netflix, thinking, hey, that's a, a great way to earn some extra income, and didn't realize they were building a behemoth <laughs> <laughs> that would destroy them all on this, in the meantime. Um, but that running gag of six seasons in a movie. So it did somehow improbably make it to six seasons with the Yahoo screen season. And of course, now everyone is wondering about the film. And there are reports that Yahoo wanted to immediately make a film after the sixth season ended. But Dan Harmon said, I have to miss the show before I know what the movie could be about. So I can't do it yet. Uh, And then during the pandemic, they did a table read uh, (laughs) of an episode uh, with the cast. And they were asked about it. And even Donald Glover said he'd be interested in returning for a movie. And Joe and Anthony Russo have said they'd be interested in coming back as directors. And again, these are the (laughs) most profitable directors in history have now said, sure, I'd do that. Uh, And so Harmon has confirmed he's recently begun working on a script. I have no idea if this will ever actually happen. These are all busy people with lots of schedules (laughs) because everyone has gone on to to new things. Uh, So I don't know that they could get the stars to align, but at least there's rumbling. Six seasons in a movie, which... Andrew, do you remember what TV show they were? That phrase actually began about the Cape. The Cape is <laughs> the Cape. Some, the NBC a, superhero show, the, the Cape. When uh, yeah, with I don't Keith David, who was on season six. <laughs> the networks. Uh, there was a wave of network television saying, "Oh, superhero movies are big. Let's all do superhero TV shows." And it took a while before CW, <laughs> CW figured out how to do it. And so we had all these like one and done seasons of shows well, and well, community Joseph, the, airing the on NBC. <laughs> was making fun of another NBC show, <laughs> The Cape. <laughs> and uh, pro- and uh, Daniel Pudi's character was, was promising that that show was going to last for six seasons in a movie. And and then six seasons in a movie became a rallying cry. What a strange thing community is. Jo- Joseph, uh, I think the yeah. uh, secret that the CW figured out that nobody else could figure out was to use pre-existing properties. Yeah. Uh... That's, that's kind of the secret sauce that worked just <laughs> like with the movies. Yeah, so NBC had Heroes, which kind of lasted for a little bit. Then there was The Cape. Then uh, ABC tried one that was supposed to be like a Fantastic Four kind of riff where it was a a family, you know, a suburban family got superpowers, and and that didn't last. I have no memory of what it was actually called. It was a strange period. Um, And let's see. I may have watched The Cape. Did you want six seasons in a movie? No, I I made it about three episodes. I think only Abed was watching by the end. <laughs> um, the only Emmy that Community won, it was a writing Emmy. Do you know what episode it was for? If you had to guess, which episode of Community would win an Emmy? Freaky Friday? It was for remedial chaos theory for writing. Oh, that makes sense. Uh, yeah. Which I believe is one of the episodes we talked about 300 episodes ago on this podcast. Yes. Uh, that was a like Rube Goldberg Gordian knot of an episode so to good. try and crack and, and present. So I understand why other writers would watch that and say, uh, this one needs an award, everyone. <laughs> this is really impressive. <laughs> All right. Well, before we move on to the plot summary of these two episodes, we want to thank you for downloading this episode and for listening. If you would like to support us financially, we invite you to go to patreon.com slash protagonist and support our show with at least a dollar per month. All supporters on Patreon at any level receive access to our special quick cast and all patrons support us with $5 per month or more get to choose a topic for us to discuss. On to the spoiler summary. 
The first episode we're going to be talking about is epidemiology. It's Halloween, and of course, Greendale is having a massive costume party. One that makes you wonder what the the budget is for anything that happens at this community college. Uh, Dean Pelton brought... (laughs) some old military rations to serve as refreshments because they were cheap. Troy and Abed are there. Abed dressed as a xenomorph from Alien, and Troy is wearing a mech suit from Alien made out of PVC pipes. They try to flirt with some girls. It does not go well. Some of the people at the party begin to get sick. Troy uh, changes out of his costume and says he's now sexy Dracula. (laughs) And he calls Abed a nerd for wanting to do a team-up costume. Dean Pelton calls the army surplus store where he got the refreshments and saying it's making people sick. They ask what food he's even serving. And he reads off the label from the box that he has. And the line cuts out and a military officer cuts in and says, they'll be there in six hours. It's as weird as I just described. I I don't know how (laughs) else to describe it. Everyone. I know you might be saying, did he just miss something in the plot? Sorry. No, Uh, everyone who is sick starts acting like zombies and biting other people, infecting them. They all have high fevers. It's suggested that turning the air conditioners down will break the fevers and everyone will return to normal. Every member of the study group is turned into a zombie, except for Troy and Abed. Abed tells Troy to be the first black man to make it to the end and sacrifices himself to let Troy escape. Troy puts on his PVC pipe armor and starts walking through the zombie horde to the AC control. They, immediately destroy his costume and bite him (laughs) and he's yelling i don't know why i thought this would work uh just before he turns into a zombie though he makes it to the ac control and turns the temperature down slowly runs apps out of their zombie phase and returns to normal geothermal escapism and i just gotta say at the end of many community episodes it's just we're all going to agree to never talk about this again and we move on (laughs) and that definitely happens in that one geothermal escapism this is now in season five uh troy is leaving greendale as uh when the show was canceled between season four and five uh donald glover success in other creators and had some other things lined up i believe (laughs) is the reason that troy has to leave uh within the story though uh pierce uh, uh, had left Troy money in his will, but it had the provision that Troy had to sail around the world to, in order to receive it. Everyone is sad that Troy is leaving, but they don't want to deal with their emotions, much to Britta's dismay. She's the one pointing out, hey, everyone, you're avoiding the real issue here. Abed goes and announces that as a final farewell to Troy, uh, who is beloved by everyone on this community college campus. <laughs> I love how they treat it as though like everyone knows this study group. Uh, they all have, they, you know, they're just all beloved figures. Except uh, there are also episodes Abed, where everyone hates the study group. <laughs> that's true. But they're, so they they're known still, to everyone on campus. Because yes, that's yeah, what they, happens at a might, college campus. They might hate them, but they'll still do anything that the study group says is yes. the thing that they're doing. <laughs> yes. So in this instance, Abed announces that as a final farewell to Troy, there will be a campus-wide game of Floor is Lava. No returning as lava monsters, though. You fall in and you're dead. You're done. You're out of the game. The last survivor will receive one of Abed's rare comic books that is worth $50,000. This entices everyone to fully participate. Much of the episode is people scooting around on chairs and knocking each other over. I'm not going (laughs) to recap all of that. It's very funny, though. Uh, But in the end, Troy, Abed, and Britta are the last three. Britta insists that Troy and Abed need to talk about their emotions, but they refuse. Abed gives Troy his comic book and falls into the lava. Troy says that Abed is dead in the game, and because games are real for Abed, he will not wake up. Britta thinks this is absurd, but also says she and Troy have to clone Abed back to life. So they put a cardboard box over his body and then they say they're cloning him from a bit of DNA they recovered. Abed wakes up as a clone, but he's slightly different than original Abed and can address his emotions minimally. Troy falls into lava and they clone him and bring him back without his fear of leaving Greendale. The game is over. 
the gang is uh, ready to say goodbye to Troy with some real emotional vulnerability this time. Uh, he has a little heart to heart with everyone as he goes down the line and he finds out that Pierce has hired Troy's idol, LeVar Burton to go and sail around the world with Troy and verify that Troy has completed the task. Old Troy was too terrified to talk to LeVar Burton, but clone Troy is willing to do it. The end. <laughs> <clears throat> One of the single funniest moments in television history for me is from the first episode where we find out that Troy idolizes LeVar Burton and he wants an autograph from LeVar Burton, but LeVar Burton himself shows up and Troy has a meltdown because he can't handle actually speaking to LeVar Burton. Well, and this is when Pierce was torturing them all through his bequeathments. (laughs) I just want a picture. (laughs) Just a picture. Set phasers to love me. I have like Donald uh, his uh, Donald Glover's meltdowns are oh. hilarious, yes. and this one in particular just I even thinking about him rocking back and forth in a fetal <laughs> position in the bathroom, singing re- reading Rainbow, <laughs> yes, singing reading Rainbow because he met Lavar Burton and couldn't handle it is so funny. But then we get this new version of Troy five seasons later, and a cloned version that has somehow cloned his fear out of himself. Uh, <laughs> is able to have a conversation with LeVar Burton. And the the little button at the end of the episode is just him sitting there saying, I have a list of questions about Star Trek. <laughs> he reads <laughs> and, them all at once. <laughs> he reads them all at once. So the last one is, why did you call it Star or, or Planet Trek? You never go to a star. Not once. No episode. <laughs> and then it just got, cuts to black. <laughs> it is so great. Um, community, though, let, let's uh, remember what we're trying to talk about. Troy and Abed <laughs> as a pair. What is it that is special about Troy Navid, and why is this? The, you know, why are these the characters that, when I said, "Hey, do you want to double record with Ted Lasso?" Which side note, double featuring Ted Lasso with Community is an amazing night of television. Everyone, <laughs> if you have to do that to prepare for a podcast, it is not work. It is joy to watch three episodes of Ted Lasso and two episodes of Community in a single night. Uh, but what is it about Troy Navid, Ben, that that stood out to you? I, I think there's a a few different things. Um, one is you know this. This play of we have this socially awkward person in Abed who was very nerdy. And then in the first episode, we have it set up as Troy is like this very self-assured jock character. The um, cool kid. He is he's yes. literally the cool kid on campus. Yeah. And, and, and you know, in, in most pop culture things would be like, oh, he teaches Abed how to be cool. Nope. That's not what happens at all. It's like he realizes Abed is cool. And this is this is I want to be me. So that in and of itself is pretty cool. Uh, two, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't say it's like this is an African-American character and then a in real life, a Polish Indian uh, American character, neither of whom are white males that we have as this like premier friendship on this primetime uh, major network show, which I think in and of itself is pretty awesome and not mm-hmm. something that we had seen depicted um it's not that one of them is the sidekick to like the white character and then a third thing that i think is pretty cool is that you know we had in scrubs turk and jd was a fantastic male friendship um where it's just like hey guys can be friends guys can hug guys can be in touch with their emotions and then we have like this 10 years later kind of personification of this male friendship where it's like yes all of those things are true but we also don't have to constantly be like oh this is also 
a straight friendship. You don't have to keep <laughs> reminding people. You can just say, hey, these are two guys that are really good friends and this is their friendship and they're zany and childish, but they truly care about each other. And like they found this friendship in college that they never would have found before. And I think like it just seems even though community is so out there at times and so unbelievable, it seems very real. Yeah, and I do really appreciate what you are identifying that um, the classic trope is that the jock teaches the nerd how to be cool. Yeah. And the the Troy that we see at the end of the series has very little relationship with the Troy that we see at the beginning, unless you want to do, again, that work of like, oh, he's discovering who he really is. <laughs> yeah. And embracing uh, a nerd side to himself that it's not that he had hidden from the world, it's that he had not yet discovered until he became friends with with Abed. And I mean, you're, you're a scholar who does a lot of sports scholarship. You know that there is a, a, a presentational aspect of sports fandom mm-hmm. and participation in sports that is about uh, often uh, like this is a very masculine, cool thing to be doing. Uh, and it's not geeky and nerdy in any way. This is what real men do. And uh, there's none of the idea presented in this that there's anything uh, about Troy and Abed that they'd be better off no. if they'd gone the Troy and, route. And how many, how many times do we see throughout the series of like Troy learning what friendship actually means? And it's not just people idolize him. And, you know, we, we see too, like the couple episodes where they think about him joining the Greendale football team or, um, <laughs> isn't that all just in the very first season when is. they're still trying to be a somewhat more traditional sitcom. It is. Um, <laughs> although in, in the epidemiology episode, you know, he's, he's learning too what it means to be a friend Mm -hmm. um but yeah very much and you know we'll we'll even see him like doing his his school's very outdated rap uh (laughs) rap diss track about uh uh their views being wrong just like al gore's and stuff so it's (laughs) you, you just have these random things of like you see him kind of slip back into high school in the early years and it's like oh yeah he doesn't want to be that and it 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 seems not fitting. Yeah. Um, and I think in, in terms of this, this friendship between these two, uh, one thing that does stand out, um, like I said, it's an evolution of, um, this kind of like male friendship in the eighties and nineties. Like you said, there, there and early two thousands, there would often be this kind of overt to like, we're friends, but you know, (laughs) <laughs> we're just friends yeah we want to make that very clear and they, and they just don't care yeah. <laughs> with this it, it's they even just... play with that in like the yeah. in one of the valentine's day episodes yeah i mean but think about like cheers and uh and uh seinfeld and uh friends and and um uh and scrubs like how often do they have to like they go there for a little bit of humor mm-hmm. right yeah and it's it's just not what's what's being played with, with these two characters and there's something that is so charming about the earnest embracing of geek culture mm-hmm. that that they're willing to do uh that um i i think sometimes like the the idea of like earnestness gets reserved for only very serious things or sports and pop culture as far as what yeah. is acceptable to be earnest <clears throat> about uh and somehow sports has been elevated to to, to that status and troy and Abed are just like we're gonna be earnest about a geeky british sci-fi show that they invent about, uh, <laughs> for the show <laughs> It's yeah. not even Doctor not Who. Doctor Who. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
the show is so strange. It's gloriously strange. It, it is absurd and and wonderful and bizarre uh, in in all the best ways. What, what we get from Community and um, a lot of Community does revolve around Jeff Winger, right? Like he is definitely the central character of the show, uh, despite their very strong willingness to portray him as a, a detached jerk. <laughs> Yeah, um, I love it when zombie Jeff is just standing in the corner on his phone and, and then so when he cool. breaks out of a zombie, the zombie trance, he just keeps texting. He's like, nah, whatever. <laughs> um, but, but for me, the, despite like the show revolving around Troy and Abed and so many other like I love Shirley and I love uh, Annie and Britta. Like, like there's there's really good characters. There's something about Troy and Abed that just brings uh, a comedic zest and energy mm-hmm. uh into the into the scene i don't know if it's just their interaction and something about uh finding the chemi- the comedic chemistry between um danny pudi and, and donald glover uh that they managed to find in the show that makes everything that they do together seem to work so well yeah uh andrew yes for you do you have favorite troy and abed moments that you can pull out and remember um i Honestly, I think some of my very favorite Troy and Abed moments are the credit stingers <laughs> that they would do because that I think that's where they found the chemistry between the two characters. I, I, I honestly do think like through season one in the episodes, you don't have nearly as much like real direct Troy and Abed interaction. But in those stingers, you can see them. It's like, oh, the, like this is Troy and Abed that I that I know from mm-hmm. later seasons, you know, and it, because it's them alone together goofing off and being like oh they're building their friendship and they're doing really stupid games or they are rapping spanish words <laughs> spontaneously um and so like i was thinking about troy and abed stuff and before you asked me the question i was like thinking about the sequence where abed is like lining up pencils in troy's mouth <laughs> to see how many he can fit in and then troy just like Pulling him out and slobbering as he asks how many it was. <laughs> or him decorating Troy as a Christmas tree. <laughs> mm-hmm. Or uh, seeing how many shirts they can put on at one yeah. point. Um, and I, I, there's a really fun one where Jeff is part of it, too, where they're trying to dance. They're trying to crump. <laughs> and and so, like, Jeff gets in on it. And, and, like, having the three of them together, which is almost never, like, an episode focus. But it's like, okay, these three guys do have a friendship. Mm-hmm. And and Jeff respects their friendship a lot. Like, Jeff would do anything to protect their friendship. Oh, as yeah. detached as he is. The imaginary and, and, hat mm-hmm. that yeah, he gets like from the friendship hats. Hat. Like, he knows that they have something really special in their friendship. And seeing that acknowledged by the aloof character is also, like, an indication. It's like, oh, like, this really is, like, one of the hearts of the show. Is this friendship and this this brotherhood between Troy and Abed. Yeah. I like that identification that, um, you know, I, I identified that their um, like earnest love of, of geekery and nerdery. And that when they are going to do something, they go all in. And that is very much contrasted with that attitude of Jeff Winger, um, who is too cool for so many things, even though he's the one that gets the monologue, that's going to unite everyone. He, you know, <laughs> he, he, he's, Oh, I love it when they make fun of those monologues too. Mm-hmm. Um, Quiet. Jeff's uh, going to heal us. <laughs> um but but that contrast is is definitely something that's there but then as you said like they they bring jeff winger into a lot of these stingers where i I don't know how many of the stingers are troy and abed it's it's got to be most definitely most of them 
uh, more so than certainly like Britta or or uh, <laughs> or uh, you know all the other characters from, from the study group. It's it, like that's a moment where Troy and Abed they captured some lightning in the bottle with that casting of those two and bringing them in, but then adding that that third variable of showing someone who likes these two, but is also just different enough in attitude that it adds something new to the scene, I think is, is something that, that creates a really interesting dynamic. The, to the Troy and Abed in the morning where Jeff is mad that there are no cameras and he doesn't know why he's there. <laughs> Troy and Abed in the morning. The, uh, I, I also want to think a little bit about the, the show and Ben, you said, and I've said that we, we, use, we've used it to teach postmodernism. Yeah. What do you think the show gains with all of the hyper-referentiality that it does and the absurdism that it embraces and, uh, the sense that so much of the comedy is actually allusions, uh, to, to other existing works outside of what we're being presented right now with, with, with the show itself. What, what is being gained through? I think it came, I think it came around at a time where it was one of the first, I think, live action shows you know not like you know the simpsons and family guy and things like that but i think i think it was one of the first live action to play around with that and i think it's like almost on like a generational divide maybe in that you know and this is coming from dan Harmon too but we're always looking people are wanting to do things that it takes the networks a long time to do like what dan Harmon's one of his first works was with uh, Owen Wilson, Jack Black, and Ron Ron Silverman or Ron Sil- um it was like it was like this talking motorcycle and Jack Black was like fighting bad guys with it and it it's one pilot that no one ever picked up but it was totally random. Wait, is that why there's the Jack Black and Owen Wilson? Yes. Yes. I I never understood like why are they in this episode? Yes, it was called like Heat he- jackers oh, i can't even remember i'm gonna kick myself later um but they like this show it came about at a time that's kind of like this generational divide and like with my students you know i'd show them other things that were maybe even like three or four years old and they didn't find it that amusing um simpsons totally did not uh, was not relevant to them and you know there might be a chuckle here or there but like community i remember being one of the shows where like they're like this is good this is funny and like i don't know if it speaks to that faster pace of humor or that shift from even like getting live studio audiences out of it um Uh you know there have been other shows that have done that before but this one just in so many different ways was way more post 2000 than a lot of other shows that had been on and i think it was kind of straddling that divide and also like the diversity of the cast as well. You know, and Dean Pelton will joke about that sometimes like, Oh, we've got one of everyone. Um, (laughs) But just, just that idea of like, yes, that's a joke, but also, Hey, we're actually getting different perspectives than just it's, it's this uh, handsome white man here with Jeff Winger and his band of merry fellows. Um, You know, there's there's a lot of different stories to be told that aren't just Jeff Winger. And so I think I think in some ways it it's it's moving the sitcom forward um, mm-hmm. from like we were not that far from friends just ending. We were not that far from uh you know shows that very much relied on laugh tracks and not that we don't have shows with laugh tracks now, but it it was very much a different 
dynamic. And it, I, it was right after The Office, too. So that's not to say that The Office wasn't doing some of that stuff. But in many ways, The Office was still pretty standard. And like, they're not jump cutting to imagination uh, planes. <laughs> or, and, yeah. or flashbacks to random things. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, episodes that never aired. It, and, it was kind and, of like, yeah. even in how it shot itself, it was it was this pastiche of like weird cuts to random things from family guy or Simpsons, but in live well, action. Um, and, but like, but, but even then they would uh, like, you have a stop motion Christmas episode yeah. <laughs> or the episode around GI Joe commercials from the 1980s. Yeah. It, it was like, it was like you were taking the short things that you might see on like social media and making it into a show in some way. Mm-hmm. And I, I really like what you're saying about, like the diversity in the cast and, and like, yes, there is, you know, a handsome white male lead with, with Jeff Winger, but mm-hmm. also like they constantly point out that Jeff Winger is not the right attitude, right? His cynicism is constantly critiqued. And in so many of the other ones is like, Oh no, the hero is cynical. The hero is poking fun at everything and like Jeff pokes fun at everything. And then it's like, no, Jeff, get over yourself and do the nice thing to help your friends. Well, look at like, they're constantly, constantly saying that. And it's like, yeah, even, even in the office, it's like, oh, like Jim is, you know, kind of cynical. And he's like looking at the camera. He's like, can you believe Mm -hmm. these other people? And you're supposed to empathize with him. And if Jeff Winger says, can you believe these other people? You're like, Hey, Jeff, get over yourself. Yeah, no, that's a great point. And like, even look at chaos theory. It's like the best outcome was when Jeff left and got the pizza. (laughs) Yeah, and he and he like laughs at himself. He's like, "Okay, they like they got me. I I did yeah. the thing." Like he swallows his his arrogance and his pride yeah. and everything. And it's like that's that's always the best thing. Like that's Jeff's episode per episode <laughs> resolution is like, "Jeff, get over yourself. Play yeah. with your friends and even, help help them be happy." Even when and it's that with, always makes him happy. Even when it's with Dean Pelton and he's singing "Kiss from a Rose" with him, and he has to admit, "Yeah, I had some fun." <laughs> This is a fantastic uh, "Kiss from a Rose" reference. That that song needs to be referenced more, I think, in <laughs> in pop culture. Its its place is not respected enough. Um, yeah, Andrew, I, I like what you're saying about about the uh, the kind of pricking of the Jeff Winger archetype is fairly constant. Even like I said, even though he's the one that gets to give the big speech, it is uh, after some uh, pointing out that he's often the, the cause of some of the troubles that they're in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, ultimately straight white guys don't come out great in the show. No. Between, <laughs> between Jeff and Pierce. Yeah, that's true. Those are your, there's the ones. And, well, and I was well, going to say, no, like, when you professor talk about the Ian diversity, Duncan, who also does not come out well, <laughs> <laughs> the diversity of the cast, like um, it's also the age. It's not just a, a group mm. of same aged friends yeah, in yeah. New York city, right? You, you've got people that are a different life uh, experiences uh, interacting together um, and they don't shy away from some of the biases that are going to exist within there with a character yeah. like Pierce, but also with Shirley, like mm-hmm. she's like, I have different priorities than all of you. Cause I have children. Yep. <laughs> like I can't just go play around for the entire time. I'll play for a while, but then I have to go. <laughs> <laughs> if I get, it seems to be what we get with Shirley quite, quite often. Or, or Britta uh, as the like social activists that they're like, Hey, this is, there's also something to be said for this, but also there's something to make fun of for this. Yeah, and I, I think in talking about like the postmodernism and the referentiality, I, I th- there is a point where that kind of hyper referentiality in postmodern texts can stop adding meaning mm-hmm. 
and uh, all it becomes is that you get a smirk of recognition because someone else knows the text that it's referring right. to. Like, like when you get like a meme that is based on other memes, uh, and you've got to know the three original memes to know the new meme. Uh, like, you see that new meme, and if you know the other memes, yes, you're going to smirk. But also, is that new meme actually saying anything? No, it is 100% just there to get a smirk of recognition from someone. Well, which now, now you're just getting into semiotics, Joe. Yeah, well, <laughs> welcome to community. Uh, you know, we're, we're not losing uh, or, or, or uh, with with those like the, the final me may not actually be saying anything anymore. And community, I think, successfully includes all those references. But if you don't get the reference, the, a lot of the jokes still land and mm-hmm. the meaning of the text is still still present. Mm-hmm. Sometimes with with hyper referentiality, we really like go so far down the rabbit hole. We're not actually saying anything anymore. And I think community successfully uses those references to increase our understanding when we get the references, to increase the humor when we get the references. But even if you're not, you're not left out in the cold and the the, the texts and the stories still are saying something and often like critiquing something really relevant yeah. <laughs> to, to our culture. Like the, uh, the Floors Lava episode, Britta is right to say, hey, we're doing all these things to distract us from engaging with our emotions, everyone. Hey, we need to say it, goodbye. It'd be better if we actually talked about but this. But she's also super like, childish. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, you know, and um, it, it's not, you know, a revolutionary thing to be exploring, but they're openly exploring this and stating it multiple times in the episode. Yeah. That this is what this episode's about, everyone. And we're going to have a party and a blast while we show these people avoiding dealing with mm-hmm. their issues. Uh, I've got um, a question. And, and, yeah. Because you talked about like favorite Troy and Abed moments together. What Mm -hmm. are your favorite moments of Troy and Abed not together? Like your favorite Troy moments and your favorite Abed moments independent. I mean, I I need to do a rewatch of the series. That's one thing I realized in doing this uh, because I don't know that I'd watched episodes since we last recorded a podcast episode on community and watching this, these, I was like, this show is amazing. I (laughs) I need to go and rewatch it. Mine for uh, Troy, um, uh, the episode where he turns 21 mm-hmm. and, you know, he looks at Jeff and Britta like fighting with each other drunkenly. And he looks at like what Shirley went through uh, in rougher times. And like he walks Annie home and like puts her to bed and everything. And like has that discussion with Jeff of like, I don't think I'm going to. He's like, you are you know, you're cooler than me, you're wiser than me. Like that, that moment of, it was something he was really looking forward to, but like we get to see this growth in Troy that was very observant of everything going around him, going on around him. Um, I think for me, isn't that the one where he kind of like, he'd been looking forward to drinking mm-hmm. his whole life. And then he just kind of looks around. And he's like, alcohol is the worst. You are makes, all worse for drinking. It makes, you, it makes you sad or angry or, miserable in some way (laughs) (laughs) yeah so like Um, those those moments where like where jeff gives him that acknowledgement mm -hmm. i think not that like not that he needs jeff's acknowledgement but that like he makes jeff realize something yes uh i mean just for for pure comedy it's anytime Troy's crying. Yes, I am. I'm there. <laughs> I think, uh, I for think Abed, my ultimate version of that is one of the first ones where he uh-huh. <sighs> slides his legs yes. out of the psychology <laughs> room, pulling across the yes. floor, and, and visualizing like, it his perfectly. palms flat and just. Why? I don't know how he does why? that, or like why that was his move. Is like, and my legs are just going to be 
flat on the floor, but not straight flat on the floor. They're like bowed outwards, flat on the floor. Or where he keeps skipping around the room um, because he's worried because Annie keeps chloroforming everyone. (laughs) He's like stepping over bodies. Uh Uh-huh. Um, for Abed, I was going to say there's the episode, I, I mean, immediately, Ben, you said Troy's birthday party. I was going to say Abed has a birthday episode where mm-hmm. he has this whole conversation mm-hmm. with uh, Jeff mm-hmm. where he, in Abed's mind, he's remaking uh, My Dinner with Andre, which, how does that film get referenced so much? I, I swear know. I hear a, a My Dinner with Andre reference far more frequently than, than I would have expected. To the town. Considering its, its actual impact when it was released. <laughs> um, and it's this one-on-one with with Jeff uh, for a lot of the episode. I, and as much as I love Troy and Abed, sometimes it, it is interesting to see those other dynamics, um, mm-hmm. you know, come into play. Like I, I actually really like Troy and Britta's relationship mm-hmm. uh, together that they, that they explore, and Abed and Annie have a really delightful friendship too. Uh, you know that that develops. There's there's an episode where Abed makes. Uh, I think this is season one. He makes a student film with. Mostly he's filming Jeff and Britta, but it's about his parents. Oh, yeah. Up. And it's like really sad. I'm like, I don't know if I want like my go to Abed, like, man, but this is really good Abed moment. But like Abed kind of reconciling some stuff with his dad. Mm-hmm. And like, I, I like Abed when he is like figuring his own stuff out and communicating his own stuff, because generally they talk about one of his major deficiencies is communicating and understanding other people, but that doesn't mean he doesn't understand himself. Mm-hmm. He just can't necessarily communicate himself to other people. And so there's, mm-hmm. it's like a disconnect, not a failure. Well, even, even that line, like at the end of this episode where, you know, Troy says, you don't get it. No one gets Abed. I get him a little. Yeah. And this idea of like, Troy is one of the first people who has attempted that. And like, Mm-hmm. he's created this relationship with is a heartbreaking line it is uh i do uh, this is one where they're together but it's really an annie moment when she discovers that they had another bedroom in the apartment <laughs> that they moved her into <laughs> the dreamatorium <laughs> but they wouldn't let her have it because it was their dreamatorium which is a star trek holodeck where they've just laid masking tape in a grid pattern on the floor and i want to shout out whatever uh PA had to go lay that oh down gosh. in the dreamatorium. It's perfect. Because they nailed it. It is. It looks so symmetrical <laughs> when they're in there. Whoever was on the set design that day did a really great job. That's so good. <laughs> but but just the the utter look of betrayal that Annie gives them, but also they immediately know we we were in the wrong here. <laughs> you know, we, we were being selfish. So they find a solution. And listeners, I just recommend you go watch the episode oh. and discover what their solution That's is. So good. Um. Yeah, <sighs> Troy and Abed as like when we talk about chemistry, so often it is that romantic chemistry. But those two actors really do just have fantastic comedic mm-hmm. chemistry together, uh, and it is so consistently uh, a tool that is in the the creator's toolbox to to like jump to a Troy and Abed exchange and just really hit a home run. Well, and I mean uh, Donald Glover himself, like listening to those commentaries, like. Dan Harmon and all the other writers would just be like, if we needed to end a scene, we'd just say Donald Glover says something <laughs> and he would, and it would end the scene. And he is the, I, I mean, I, I, all of these are still working actors, you know, they found success outside of community, but he kind of like outgrew community. Yeah. <laughs> like the world kind of looked at him and said, Oh, 
there's there's so much here. Uh, and between his music career, uh, his social commentary, some of his own writing projects and acting projects that he's done afterwards with Atlanta and other things, um, like like it was they caught this really amazing talent so young in his career for community. Yeah. I think he probably has the most outtakes where he's just like running or it's just like cutting to him. And he says different versions, Yes, not even different versions, but like completely different lines. lines. Yeah. And I mean, there's the, uh, I mean, just so many great reaction shots of Troy too. And, uh, I don't want to like understate Abed's reaction shots. It's just, there's such different energy levels in a Troy reaction shot versus an Abed reaction shot. Mm-hmm. Like the Abed reaction shot. If I'm imagining it in my head, it's a very flat face, just doing a little, uh, or it's all tilt, with the eyes. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. A little squint, a little tilt of the head. Whereas with Troy, it is like a full throated scream. It's <laughs> <laughs> my, my image of a reaction shot for Troy. Uh, um, I think we've talked a, a little more about the character, Troy. Is there anything about the character of Abed to you that stands out as a sitcom character here? Well, Dan Harmon even said, like, he realized later in life that maybe he had Asperger's and mm-hmm. had trouble relating to other people. And, like, that was part of his writing for Abed. And although it was never, like, overtly said on the show, like, this idea of just because someone is socially awkward or doesn't know how to talk to other people doesn't mean that they don't care. I mean, what in the pilot episode, uh, Jeff says to him, I see your value now. Like this idea of, Oh, you read people. And then of course he throws it back in his face at the end. It's like, I see your value now. Um, but this idea of like, he's not played it's not played for a joke of like, Hey, here's the guy that's in the study group. It's like people legitimately like him, have friendships with him. And I think that too is like something that, you know, we talk about how crazy this show is, but something that's super progressive and uplifting about the show and something that we hadn't necessarily seen on TV of like, not only do we have a diverse cast, but we have people who are going through some things or who, you know, might have, disorders that we don't even talk about on TV. They're never brought up or, or if they're brought up, it's in a way which community points out it's so that they can solve crimes on procedurals. Yes. yes. <laughs> it's like, yeah. It's like, I love that episode. I, yeah. where or it's, it's a, like, or it's, or it's for a very so. special episode, you know? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Which they will very often but, but yeah, <laughs> you know, go, about, go to the well of making fun of very special mm-hmm. episodes. Yeah. They, um, they, they talk about, it's like, Oh, I keep seeing it. They're like, Oh, but you're weird. Figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> and, and then he's like, Hmm, what am I seeing? What am I seeing? Television shows where they just pin all this stuff on people on the autism spectrum, <laughs> treating them like computers to spit out answers instead of actually <laughs> treating them like characters. And, and I, I think there is, or, or there has been like a, a, a rise in people like looking at fictional characters and saying, Oh, they're kind of like, they could be on the spectrum. Like I've heard it, you know, for Sherlock Holmes mm-hmm. or for, for Mr. Fantastic of the fantastic four. Uh, and I think there's huge problems in, in doing that when we don't know what, you know, how I'll just say there's problems yeah. with, with doing that. Uh, but I, I think in some ways, Abed presents as someone on the spectrum, but they, as you said, they never make that the joke. Yeah. 
Uh, and so it, it managed to avoid some of the problems <laughs> that, that can quickly arise with uh, fictional characters' portrayals of um, any any level of mental health concern in, in fiction can really <laughs> start to be like, well, how is this actually being handled? What's, what's being done? Uh, and I'm not going to say like everything about community is unproblematic. No. There definitely are some issues there. But I think Abed is, uh, on a whole, a character that's actually handled really well. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. Any final thoughts about community? Um, I don't know if we talked about the episodes at all. <laughs> <laughs> we, we didn't really okay. dig into the like. I think the uh, the floors lava one a little bit, but we didn't like break down any deeper into the episodes <laughs> and how the how how the zombie outbreak goes. Really, <laughs> I do like. Can I can I share my favorite moment from from that episode? Please, in particular, please do. I, I can't remember if I've got a favorite moment from Flora's Lava, but my favorite moment from the zombie outbreak is when, and I think it's it's Jeff's nemesis, the cat, like the the doc the doctor he's like i thought i was special and britta's like you're not special i was bitten 10 minutes ago if anyone's special it's me nobody's <laughs> like both, special everyone's hiding that they got bit and she's like i'm more special i lasted longer yeah well and then jeff screams nobody's special <laughs> which is also funny because like you have like all in the Doc Pottery Wood episode where mm-hmm. he has flashbacks to his mom telling him how he's so special and great at everything <laughs> <laughs> I love every interaction of Jeff with his nemesis. Oh yeah, it's it's so good. And I think like and, and his nemesis <laughs> is so dark, his history. Like they, they do the flashback to his mom telling him things. Mm-hmm. It's like, my goodness. <laughs> Just the darkest stuff. Well, and I think this was like the second episode that the Dean was in a costume and then, <laughs> and then it's like, okay, we found something. That that really to hear you say that feels strange to me because when i imagine dean belton he's wearing a costume oh, yeah. <laughs> well and, and i thought you were gonna say like jeff's nemesis i was thinking the cat in the basement <laughs> he throws the soccer ball at it doesn't he and and then what? it's like we need to get out he's like no we need to deal with this cat <laughs> with the episode i have a question uh we see troy's character go and be the one to successfully reach the air conditioner to turn it down and we see the like little strings on the ac start blowing out is that some like super pre-planned reference to <laughs> greendale's air conditioning school i don't know the only like, profitable yeah, he's, side he's like with one push he was able to get it all to, even to, as a zombie the, it's his preternatural ability because that doesn't come up to for like several seasons right the no uh, that's like season four or five uh, maybe I think three season three is i think yeah. you get some of it in season three so yeah i think that does predate like the real discussions of of air conditioners and troy i think i also loved like joe you mentioned in the the recap of like he gets immediately bitten and he's like i don't know why i thought this would work but i love that as he keeps getting me he's like ow, ow okay you got me you did the thing that zombies do <laughs> But also, uh, like, with the referentiality that we've already referenced, you know, talked about that that uh, community does as a postmodern text. Like, uh, everything's an allusion to something else. Abed yelling out the, I can't remember the line exactly, but it's the, the do something that no black man has done and make it to the end. Yes. It is like calling out every one of these yeah. zombie film uh, or, or alien film or post-apocalyptic film uh, tropes that has plagued 
uh, you know, Hollywood storytellers for decades where it's like, oh, we have a diverse cast, but we're going to kill off all the diversity. Um, yeah. No, you I, know, with, with, with the with the opening act, it's like, oh, that's not, not great. And so we're going to play in this world, but we're also going to be critiquing this world as, as we do it. And that's one thing that community does really well with all these episodes yeah. that are, uh, okay, we're going to go do a Law & Order episode. We're going to have a lot of fun with it. We're going to critique some of the problematic aspects of it, but we're also going to embrace some of the, why the, this is a really successful genre uh, as we do it too. Now, Joseph, I, I have a critique for, for the critique. We covered Night of the Living Dead. Right, but he doesn't make it to the end, Andrew. Well, and also, <laughs> that's the, like, the end of the movie is him being shot, <laughs> the, right? I mean, the zombies the the don't get him. The zombies <laughs> don't get him. Right, but... but uh, he, he makes but, it through the zombie horde. Yeah, uh, but, but, but the, the whole point of the movie is that he does not make it. The white militia marching through the countryside. <laughs> yeah. Joe, I think you'll appreciate this. Um, as you said, like the referentiality, like, you know, I think we'd be remiss if we didn't mention that his boat is called the Childish Tycoon, like Childish Gambino, <laughs> yeah. but also it refers to Pierce because he was also a Childish Tycoon. Um, yes. And that's what the best references can do is have those layers. Yeah, of meaning, and then where like, it's like, oh, this works on this level and that level and that level. I think my favorite thing from that entire show is that it ends to come sail away which Troy said in the debate episode when Abed was predicting what would happen and he saw himself crying. He's like, Oh, did I listen? Did I accidentally listen to come sail away by sticks again? <laughs> because that's the song that makes him cry. I had no idea. Oh, I did not show. Know about so that good. One. I need to go rewatch all of this. Like the only episode I've seen recently is the one I show for postmodernism <laughs> in my class. <laughs> so I know that one really well. I obviously need to go and oh. uh, give the series a full or rewatch. Like, like I love it reminds me of the Simpsons or I guess mostly the Simpsons, like how the or South Park, where the town is ready to riot at a drop of a hat. And like anytime they have one of these games at Greendale that there's complete buy in. And like, yes, immediately, everyone's all in. immediately like they have Shirley Paintball, Island set up floors, lava. <laughs> Uh, we're gonna build tents, uh, blanket tents and and forts, yes. cushion forts, they right? Have, they have barrels with fires going. Yes. <laughs> uh, so they, they can. What do they have? Oh, they have chair walkers and locker boys and a whole chair mythology. <laughs> An inchworm, inchworm, inchworm. <laughs> yeah, and, and uh, we also got a slight reference uh, where where Magnitude admits that he's British. <laughs> which, which the actor who plays yes, him is British he's from Harry Potter. Yeah. So, so. yeah. <laughs> oh, and. You know, I, I noticed in both of these, just because it always sticks out to me every time I hear it, but both episodes had a Wilhelm scream. Oh, yes. <laughs> uh, and I think all the paintball episodes do yeah. uh, use the Wilhelm scream, too. Yeah, it, it is definitely something that there that's there. I in. Um, so I showed that episode to my my, my class and we were, we were talking about like meta narratives and breaking the fourth wall. And in on the whiteboards in um, the app development episode. It says something like, I hear there's a fourth wall <laughs> is written on a whiteboard. <laughs> um, so, yeah, they, they know what they're doing on this show. Yeah. And and like Ben, when you were saying you're like you're getting into semiotics, I am 100 percent sure there's a chapter on community and semiotics that's been published there, in, the, in the last five years. Right? Like, I haven't read it. It's there. It exists because uh, it it so so many uh postmodern decks can become inaccessible and this one is really accessible yeah yeah and and Our, and, and that oh, beat you know the, the whole bit of the come sail away thing like it you know it, it goes to the this one's very famous but how they in the run of the show they mentioned beetlejuice three times and the third mm-hmm. time a guy in a white and black suit walks by <laughs> yeah 
but it's across multiple episodes and multiple seasons. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but but just the third time Beetlejuice is mentioned. Yeah. Here comes Beetlejuice. <laughs> well, because the third one was going to be during a, a Halloween episode, it was someone in the writers' room said, "I think this is the third time we've referenced Beetlejuice," yeah. and everyone's like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> so it wasn't like pre-planned no. it was just we realized this golden background joke uh like you said it's become kind of famous because of those commentaries i think more so mm-hmm. than anyone actually noticing it during the run of the show yeah it's it's something that i can't uh, not see when i watch it now but i would not have noticed it unless it would have been talked about yeah oh it's so great all right that is going to wrap up this episode thank you for joining us ben no, thank you <laughs> thank you for jumping on andrew mm-hmm and thank you listeners for downloading and listening for show notes and links to all the other great dueling genre shows you can go to duelinggenre.com also please subscribe to the protagonist podcast in your podcast app of choice and please leave us a review that really helps us out we'd like to thank scott Tofty who composed our theme music thank you again for listening we'll be back next week to discuss another great character in a great story so long Halloween. <coughs> I'm joking. <laughs> Too much taco meat. <coughs>